Welcome to Crossway Church Sermons Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.crosswayaz.com. Subscribe to our weekly podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the podcast app. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossway Church AZ and share this podcast link with a friend. If you live in the Phoenix area, come visit us at 3464 West Earl Drive, Phoenix, Arizona, 85017, located in Suite E. Service times are at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and prayer services at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Now, let's dive right in. There's so much going on. There's so much negativity going on. It's, 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 it's a, it's, it's, it breaks my heart when I see some Christians that they, they, all they do is watch the news and all they do is get discouraged. They wake up watching the news and they get discouraged. They, they go to bed uh, just after watching the news and they go to bed discouraged. They, they do their entire day discouraged. They, they, all they see this, they, all they hear is all this negativity and they think, oh, this is the end of the world. We're going to die. And I, I, in my heart, I'm hoping that God does come soon. I really do. But if you ever notice that after every huge catastrophe, they're always saying, they always try and tie it in, well, here comes the 666. And all it does is it causes more darkness. You know what? And all I'm going to say, you know what? You don't got to worry about that stuff because the church is going to be gone before that even happens. The church is going to be gone. God's going to come back for his church. God's going to come back for his bride. And we don't have to worry about that sign. We don't have to worry about it because God is going to come back before his church. And that's what's going to happen. So what should we be doing right now? We should be praising God. We should be getting excited for God. We should be excited that God is still here, that God is still moving, that God is still in control. Can you say amen? So I want you to open up your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk or Habakkuk? Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Because I like the different, you know, tomato, tomato. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. It says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in God of my salvation. Let's go back to that verse again. The first one, I want to read that to you. Because doesn't that sound like it's a bit today, right now? There, the, there might not be uh, uh, the produce of the olive fail, the yields, fill no food. Who's, who's gone to Walmart recently and they, there's like just seems to be nothing there anymore? I went, yes, not yesterday, the I can't remember when I, I, I went for something, an emergency. Was, uh, we had to get something. It was real quick. I was in and out. I was, you know, completely covered and the whole thing, but I started seeing a sense of normalcy. I saw how there was food stocked up on the shelves. I saw there was actually meat. I was like, oh my gosh, what happened to snake? There is such a, a, a darkness. This is what it's talking about. Though the fig tree should not blossom. It's talking about all the things that produce around you. There's, everything around you seems to be emptying out. You can't get anything at the stores anymore. The flock of the field cut off from the fold, and there'd be no herd in the stalls. There's, there's nothing around you. It feels like there's the, no goodness around you. Next one. It says, yet 
I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in God of my salvation. Yes, there's stuff going around you. Yes, this whole situation is going on all around. Yes, I feel like I'm in lack. I feel like I've been trying to eat cereal with water for the last three weeks already. God, I've been going through my situation. I've been going through my, and I feel like I, I feel like I'm missing out on everything else. But God. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will take joy in God of my salvation. No matter what's going around around you, I am still going to praise God. I'm still going to lift up my hands and say glory, hallelujah. I'm still going to get excited because God is still good. God is still in control. No matter what this world tried to put in my eyes and put in my ears, whatever they try to put in me, I don't care. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe what God has to say for my life. God says I shall be the head and not the tail. God said I shall be provided for. God said I'll be there for you. And I don't got to worry about what these people are saying. All I got to believe is that God is going to have his hand upon me and I will yet and still continue to rejoice in God. Come on. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation like, you know, the, this prophet was? If, you're, uh, if you haven't been there, you're going to be there yet because we're, I mean, you can honestly say we're, we're there now, right? We're in this situation he's, he's in now in verse 17. We're in that situation, feels like. The truth is life comes with problems built in. It's never, ever going to be just an easy life. No one ever said life was ever going to be easy. No one ever said life was going to be just a a field of daisies. No one ever said it was going to be like that. If you've lived an easy life up to now, God bless you, but I'm I'm praying for you because there's going to be a rude awakening. But you might, the truth is, like I said, life comes with problems built in. I mean, we can just say, think about family members right now. That that's a built-in problem. You might as so you might as well understand. You're not gonna get through this life without troubles. You're not gonna get through this life without hardships. You're not gonna get through this life without pain. You're not gonna get through this life without getting your heart broken at least once or twice. Without being lied on, persecuted, and despised. So then, and you might as well throw in some betrayal, right? And deception in the pot because that's life. That's what happens. All you have to do is look at the Bible and you see what I'm talking about. David was a great man of God, a great king of Israel, a worshiper. But that did not make David exempt from pain. If you study David's life, you'll see a man who endured so much pain. Then look at Job. Hello. He was a righteous man. But he endured more grief and pain than would seem humanly even possible. And I can go on and on, but I believe the point is clear. Sometimes life hurts. The situations you're going through, it hurts. Yes, I understand everything that's going on around us. But there's going to be times when life just hurts and you don't know what to do. Sometimes you're in the pit and sometimes you're in the fire. Sometimes you're on a mountain calling down fire from heaven. And sometimes you're in the cave hiding from Jezebel. There are just sometimes some things that happens to us all. Just because we're in the world, it happens. That's the thing that sucks. Yeah, we're in this world, but we're not of it. So we're going to have to deal with the things that happen in this world. We're going to have to deal with coronavirus. We're going to have to deal with things like 9-11. We're going to have to deal with things that happen, uh, the, the, the bombings that all, all across the world. We're going to have to, because we're in it, but we're not of it. We don't choose to be a part of it. A part of what they're doing. We, I, don't, I don't choose to take part in that evil. 
Then there are things that are demonic in nature, attacks straight out of hell. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking who he might devour. That's in John 10.10. 10. Talks about how the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. I said it, I said of all this to get to this point, there are times in your life when praise doesn't make any sense. There are going to come times in your life when you praise God with all your heart and it's not going to make any sense the reason why to do it. What do I mean by that? There's so much darkness around you, right? You're seeing all this stuff on CNN, and MSNBC, Fox News, all this different news stuff that's going on right now. All this, you see everything that's going on, all this negativity. And you almost feel like you're diving into it and you want to be a part of it. Why is there any reason to praise God with how many people are thousands dying? Right? You almost feel like I just want to get folded into this and just let it envelop me. Where praise doesn't make any sense. When we talk about making sense of something, we mean that it is understandable. And that it is agreeable to what it, what it is before us. And it is logical and reasonable. But this man of God was doing something that was just doesn't make any sense. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit on the vines. He's talking about how all this negativity around him. Yet in verse 18, all this happened to him. And in verse 18, he says, yet I will praise the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Yes, all this is going around me. Yes, all this is happening. I am still going to praise God. I'm still going to lift up his name. He was standing in the midst of chaos and of loss and emptiness and confusion and disappointment. He did something that sent shockwaves through hell and applause throughout heaven. He said, I am still going to rejoice. I'm still going to praise God. I will, I will joy in the Lord of my salvation. Basically, he said, I have decided I'm going to praise my God even when it doesn't make any sense. Hello. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, come on. I, am, I may be going through a season of sickness around me. I may be grieving over a loss of a loved one. I may be walking through the fire of divorce or family turmoil. I may be crying myself to sleep at night over everything that seems to be going around me. Oh, come on. There may be threatening closure on my house. The repo depot just towed away my car. My company says they're downsizing and might have to let me go because of what's going on around. Well, man of God, well, woman of God, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to say? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get my, let my feelings and my emotions take over me anymore. I'm going to, oh, come on now. I'm not going to go into a deep depression. I'm not going to go run to the refrigerator and try to drown my sorrow. I'm not going to overdose on prescription medication. I'm not going to get angry at God, accuse him of not loving me or not caring about me. I'm going to do what David did. I'm going to encourage myself. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. I'm going to live. God God is still good. God is still in control. No matter what's going to happen, God is still taking care of the situation. It might seem dark around me, but I'm not a part of this world. God is having me walking right through it. God is going to show me something greater. Come on, there should be somebody excited saying, you know what? Yes, this is dark, but God, I'm going to praise you anyhow. Praise him anyhow. You're going, somebody, oh, come on. There's somebody who's already lost their job because of the situation. There's somebody who already lost a position. They, they just got the job, and all of a sudden this happens, and they lost it. And God is saying, praise me anyhow. Praise God anyhow. 
That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to open my mouth and praise God. I'm going to give him that praise that's due his name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I know there's darkness. I know. I get it. I understand it. But you know what? I don't care. I'm going to praise him anyhow, and I'm going to confuse the world out of the devil because he should be saying, why aren't you scared? Why aren't you terrified? There's people dying every moment. Aren't you scared? No, I'm not. Because God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And perfect love casts out all fear. If my God is for me, who can be against me? All I got to do is praise him. All I got to do is lift my hands and say, thank you, Jesus. I still got air in my lungs. Thank you, Jesus. I can still breathe on my own and I'm not on a ventilator. Thank you, Jesus. I don't got this sickness. Why? Because all I got to do is praise him. God never promised us a promise-free life. God never promised us that. Isaiah 43, verse 2. Check out what he promised you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the, ri- and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Check this out. Do you hear the second? I love how it gives you the first problem. The, the first part of the sentence is the problem. Second, the problem, second part of the uh, sentence is God's answer. Okay? When you pass through the waters, some of y'all can't swim. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about some people can't even swim spiritually. Hello. You feel like everything's coming up against you. You feel like, I, oh man, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to read the word. I don't know what to I'm reading. I don't know what I do. And you feel like you're drowning. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, why would they show, why, isn't it waters and rivers the same thing? No. It is and it isn't. The waters are sometimes when you say waters, it could be a pond or something like that as opposed to a river. A river's flowing. See, one thing is where you're like, it's, it's still, rivers is like when it's like even rougher, when you can't handle the current, when everything seems to be going against you. They shall not overwhelm you. It shall not overpower you. Even though the rivers are pushing against you, it will not overpower you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Hello. Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her out of them all. Did you catch what I just said? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Whatever you're going through, you're going through an affliction, but God's going to deliver it because his word says so. And oh, come on, his promises are yes and amen. And I believe that God is going to deliver us out of this affliction. We're going through a situation, but God says, I will deliver you out of them all. Whatever you're going through, it might be coronavirus. It might be financial issues. It might be you lost your job. It might be some situation that's coming up. But God is saying, many are the afflictions. Yes, they're all seem to be coming out all the same time, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. Give God praise. I'm going to stop right here and tell you, the church is filled with pretty praisers. Just like, oh, looking good with all their makeup on. Some of you guys at home probably even put up makeup on, just not, no, thinking, oh, they might put me on camera. 
Oh, they, they might add, ask me to go on live with them and pray with them. I'll be just get ready just in case. And then there's other people who are probably just still in their pajamas. But there's, the church is filled with a lot of pretty praisers. People that praise God when everything's pretty. When the weather's nice. When the bills are paid. When all the children are saved and behaving. When their body feels good, when they got money in the bank, then they're quick to give God a nice, pretty praise. Hello. It's easy to praise God when those moments happen, right? It's easy to know. It's easy to praise God when you got that really, really good job or you got that extra money. It's easy to praise God when, you, when everything is going right. You got a good car. You got a good home. Everything is going great. It's easy to praise God then. Their face never gets scrunched up. Their makeup never runs. They don't cry. They don't ever get their clothes out of sorts. Hello. Their weave never gets twisted. Oh, nobody guys got that in here. That's, a, that's good. They wouldn't jump or shout or dance if the building was on fire. There's people like that where they don't just don't care. They're like, you know what? Everything's going good. I don't need to worry about anything. Who's ever been at that, that kind of moment where they like, I just don't, you know what? Everything's going good. I don't need to worry. Oh, something's going wrong. I'll be all right. But I'm going to tell you something that might surprise you. God's not looking for pretty praises. God is not looking. God would rather have your ugly praise than your pretty praise. I'm talking to somebody. It doesn't take any confidence, and it doesn't take any faith in God, and it doesn't take any effort to praise God when everything is going great in your life. When everything is going good, it doesn't take faith. Why? Because you know that everything is going good. When everything is going bad and sour, that's when it takes the most faith. Oh, yes, we definitely should praise during those times, but what really gets the attention of heaven and paralyzes hell is that ugly kind of praise. That praise that doesn't make any sense. That praise when you feel your face is all scrunched up. That praise that it's hard to tell if it's a praise or a moan. That praise that runs down your face. That praise that, that you had to reach down deep for. That praise that's got you down on your knees and you can't even get up. Because all you can do is, is worship God at his throne and get face time with the carpet and God. That praise that is aggressive. It's ugly. It ain't pretty. The dictionary defines ugly as this. Very unattractive, unpleasant to look at, offensive to the sense of beauty, displeasing in appearance, messy, objectionable. Pretty praisers get uncomfortable around ugly praisers. Because ugly praisers ain't worried about winning a beauty contest. Hello. They're just trying to hang on to their sanity. Them pretty praisers have a problem with real praise because real praise might get loud and it might get ugly. Real praise is going to cause somebody to get out of their comfort zone. Real praise is going to cause somebody to kick off their shoes to get ready to start running for God. Real praise is going to cause somebody to realize that I, I, met, I better hope I invested in the right makeup because it's about to run. God said to tell you. It's time to quit worrying about trying to pretty it up and just to give it up. Time to stop worrying about being all prettied up and start worrying about lifting him up. I'm going to tell you personally, I've been in some ugly situations, and I have to tell you the truth. There ain't 
a pretty praise anywhere around me. All my praise starts to get ugly. You start seeing me jump around. If you ever see me jumping around during praise, it is not pretty. I have to wear like extra tight shirts because everything starts flying everywhere. I'm serious. I just, it was, oh, I'm scared <laughs> when that happens. I'm always looking around. I'm like, oh, who's watching? No, never mind. Don't worry about who's watching. Right? God loves ugly praise. Why? Because he knows that you don't care about who's looking at you, who's watching you, what you're doing, what you're saying. All you're doing is just praising him. It doesn't matter if you get indignant. I'm just not lifting up your voice and start screaming at the God. Ah, I worship you, Lord. We need to give him our ugly praise. Let me give, introduce you to a couple of ugly praisers in the Bible, okay? First is Job. So we're going to go to Job 1.1. Easy scripture. Job was a was a perfect and upright one that feared God and avoided evil. That's it. He was a perfect and upright person that loved God, feared God, and avoided evil. When you see now, then you see Job thirteen to twenty two, in ten verses. In just ten verses. Check this out. Job lost everything. The Sabians took his livestock and killed all his servants, uh, all his servants there but one. And that servant came and told him what happened. Uh, Then fire fell from the sky and burned up his sheep, all his sheep, and all the servants there but one. The Chaldeans took his camels and slew his servants, all except one. Then all his sons and daughters were at the oldest brother's house, and a great wind or a great storm smote the house, and all the children were killed. All this news hits Job, hits him hard, hits his life in just a matter of 10 verses. What did Job do? What did he do? He gave God some ugly praise. It didn't, that doesn't make sense. His kids just died. His kid, he lost everything. Everything that made his, his life substantial and with financial uh uh, grandeur. Okay, back then, to uh, to have flocks and have uh, herds and have all this stuff meant you had money because basically you had money coming in and you had money going out because you're trading sheep and you're receiving sheep or whatever. And that's how you made money back then because they used it for me or they used it for wool, they used it for whatever situation. So the more you had as a as a herder or farmer, like a uh, herd farmer, the more money you would obviously have. So everything I just told you. That they took uh, all his livestock were killed, all his uh, a fire fell from the sky and they killed all his sheep, and all his servants, and the Chaldeans took all his camels, and then his children died. So everything that kept him, that was worth almost you can almost say that was worth living for, was taken from him in less than ten verses. And what does he do? He praises God. He arose, he rent his mantle, he shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped God. Oh, I don't know that I don't know about you, but does that make any sense? It doesn't, right? To the natural mind, that doesn't make sense. Praising God when it doesn't make sense. Let's get another pra- ugly praise in the scriptures. First Samuel uh, uh, 30. Uh, it talks, David and his men have returned from the military campaign and found that the city, Ziklag, 
burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted the voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. They had cried so much till they couldn't, they literally had no strength left to cry. Who's ever been there? And then it says, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the souls because of the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. This is where David gave God his ugly praise. They had been weeping and crying until they had no power left to weep. Okay? No doubt David was physically exhausted. He didn't look like a great warrior or a great worshiper. His eyes were most likely swollen and bloodshot. But what did the next, what, what he did next turn everything around? Right there, in the middle of his pain, in the middle of his darkness, in the middle of everyone saying they're going to kill him. He gave God a praise that don't make no sense. He gave God an ugly praise. Yes, this situation is all around us. All the news keeps rising up against us. The world is trying to come against the church every way it can and shut us down. But I'm still going to praise God anyhow. I'm still going to lift up God anyhow. Yes, it doesn't make sense. Yes, it makes no sense at all. But I'm still going to praise God and watch what's going to happen when I get out of it. He gave God an ugly praise, and God gave him a supernatural turnaround, and he recovered every single thing the devil, the devil done took. Did you just catch what I just said? Be honest. How many people have been worried about them losing their job because of this, this thing that's going around? I lost mine. I lost mine. But praise God, I got a praise report. Was it Thursday morning, I think I tell you? Thursday morning, I got a call saying, well, we want to hire you. It might not be till April 27th, till everybody can go back into their buildings, but I don't care. I got, I got a job waiting for me, ready to go. Thank you, Jesus. I think I, I told you I was working for a realty company. I was like, they asked me, well, I, before we hire you, we want to know if you feel comfortable with this. The job is in Scottsdale, but by the end of the year, uh, I don't know how comfortable you are. This might change the whole deal for you. Um, they're moving to Gilbert. No, I'm okay with that. <laughs> right? Did you just catch what I said? God was able to do a turnaround. God is the God of the turnaround. God can make things change. Whatever you're seeing, everyone's seeing the financial crisis. Everything's falling in the Dow. Everything's falling down in the NASA. Everything's falling down in Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But watch what happens when everything, when this all is done. God is going to make a, such a turnaround for the church in such a way. You all understand. I've been already in contact with a couple different churches. Like I told you about Lucy Therna. They, they're now live. I have another church I was speaking to about getting them live, and they're going live this morning. And they already told me, we want to continue going live. Do you not understand the implications of what that means? That there are going to be more people able to receive the word of God because everyone's on Facebook, everyone's on Instagram, everyone's on some social media, that this can get out a lot faster. The word is going to get out, church, and it's going to be spread out faster than you can ever imagine. God is using this evil for his good. He's turning it around. 
Glory to God. I'm starting to feel an ugly praise anointing coming around this house. There's somebody getting ready to start praise God like never before. Yes, there's darkness. Yes, there's a situation. But there's somebody in here ready to give God an ugly praise. I feel like somebody in the house is one ugly praise away from a miracle they've been asking God for. I pray, I'm, I believe there's somebody in here who is one ugly praise away from a supernatural breakthrough and a turnaround. I believe there's somebody here with an ugly praise. They're one ugly praise away from your prodigal sons, prodigal daughters coming back home. One person is an ugly praise away from turning back, uh, from turning lack into abundance. Somebody is one ugly praise away from a brand new anointing. So there's somebody here with one ugly praise away from a healing that's been a long time coming. Come on now there's somebody here that's so close that they can taste it. So close that they can almost breathe the same air. God is saying it's time to get your ugly praise on. Let me introduce you to some more, two more ugly praisers. You ready? These ones are my favorite. I love it. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. Don't get ahead of me. I know you guys are all thinking, oh, no, this is going to be good. Paul and Silas, we find them in Acts chapter 16. They are busy working for the master. Then certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination began to follow them, saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which show us uh, the way to salvation. This did she mean, uh, did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out uh, that same hour. When her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, meaning that they were using her for divination, and she no longer could do that anymore, uh, they were gone. They caught Paul and Silas and began to accuse them of being troublemakers. So, real quick, I'm going to stop. They were doing God's will, doing God's work, and set someone free of the gospel, doing what God had called them to do. Then the world didn't like it. Try to shut them down. I, I, be, I believe there's something that you guys are not catching here. The word of God is trying to get out. The word of God is trying to get to the people. God, God's church is trying to do God's will. And there's people all over the world that is trying to shut down the church. Well, no more than 10 people. Originally, it was like, what, no more than 250. We're like, we're fine. No more than 150. Okay, we're good. No more than 100. We're still good. No more than 50. Getting kind of close. Well, now it's no more than 10. It's like, they're trying to shut down the church. They're trying to shut down the word of God getting preached. They want to shut down locations where people can get that fear taken away from. Why? Because if I can have people bound by fear, you're now under my thumb. You cannot do what I say because anytime you're in fear, the person with all the right things to say, you're going to follow that person. Hello, it's control. We're not trying to control you. We're trying to tell you that you can be set free from fear. That God can set you free from that. They don't want that. So, mad about their gains, the world is doing everything they can to say that we're nothing but troublemakers. That we have no business being uh, in business. Hello. They accuse them of being troublemakers, teaching customs uh, which are not lawful to receive or, or, or observe. Well, the multitude rose up together against them, 
And the magistrates uh, rent off their clothes and beat them and lay them many stripes upon them and thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Means they chained them up. Okay? So they stripped them naked, beat them, and threw them not just in the prison, but the inner prison. Almost like saying solitary confinement. Okay? You have the prison, then you have solitary confinement, which cuts you off from all sunlight and all communication. Then we see our two ugly praisers in the darkness at midnight. Who's ever uh, youth? Remember when we went to camp and it was after camp hours and everything was up and you just go out there in the middle of the woods area and it's just so dark you couldn't even see like your hand in front of you? Who's ever been to that like camping and you've been out to those areas where you literally look outside and it's just like so dark? That's what these guys were in. It was so dark they couldn't see anything. And midnight hour, humiliated, backs beaten, black and blue. Their clothes ripped off their bodies. And the Bible says, check this out. This is my favorite part. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They heard them singing songs. You know, I don't know if they had our God is greater back then. You never know. Can you imagine what they were singing, though? Can you imagine that? You're in the middle of a, middle of a prison. It's dark, jet black dark. And all of a sudden you hear someone singing, knowing that they're locked up too. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. What is he, what is he singing about? This, that didn't make no sense. Imagine someone being in prison, singing the song Freedom. <laughs> right? Freedom, freedom. They've gone crazy. That does not make any sense. I want to laugh a little louder than before. Okay, now he's definitely gone crazy. I want to sing a little louder than before. Not so much, it's kind of loud. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that a person would do something like that, right? The other people begin to hear them. They gave God an ugly praise, a praise that doesn't make any sense. Right there in the midst of the darkness and the pain, when the most people would have been crying and moaning and groaning and plaining and deciding whether the ministry was worth it or not. Right there, they gave God an ugly praise through the humiliation, through the tears, through the fears, through the pain, beaten black and blue. I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to worship God. God is still good. They might not have passed the qualifications for the church choir. Hello. They might not have done that great of an audition, but there is something about ugly praise that God liked. Acts 16.26. Check this out. I like this. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't start an earthquake, but God can. I can almost imagine, just like I don't know if you ever watch some of us up here sometimes, we'll get into it. We're playing music or we're hearing music. You're going to see our foot going. Can you imagine that's what God was doing? Hearing the praise come from the middle of that darkest hour, that ugly praise. Oh, man, that sounds good. I like that. Uh, he might be off key, but he still sounds good. All right? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, come on. You must bounce your foot with me on that one. 
God, you are higher than any other. And God began to get his foot tapping. So much the foot. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Did you just catch what I just said? And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds unfastened. Did you just catch that? That was, a, that was the best part. When you begin to praise God in the midst of your darkness, when you begin to praise God in the midst of your, your pain, when you begin, not only does God begin to shake the ground and everything else around you to the point that you're being set free, all those around you get to be set free. You're praying for your sons. You're praying for your daughters. You're praying for your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. You've been praying for a long time, and you're wondering, why can't they get saved? Well, are you giving God an ugly praise? Start praising him when it doesn't make sense. Start worshiping when it doesn't make sense. When you begin to do that, God's foot begins to move. And that's when the bounds are the bounds that are binding them down. All the chains that are binding them down. God begins to set them free and all the people around you. It's time to give God an ugly praise. Woo. And the jailer and his whole family got born. Oh, you got to check this out. Not only the people get set free, the jailer, the guy who was watching them, he freaked out because he saw the gates, all the gates open. He said, oh, man, they're going to kill me for sure. And there's Paul and Silas. And sure enough, the jailer and all his family got born into the kingdom that night because two men who were not ashamed to give, ashamed to give God an ugly praise and to praise God when it didn't make sense. We've all met him once in the scripture. But let's look at him one more time. We're going back to David. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and he's being overwhelmed with thanksgiving. Who's ever been so happy and so grateful at a church service that you just begin to cry? Because God spoke to you. The words you're hearing mean so much to you that you just become overwhelmed. He starts to dance and rejoice. He starts whirling around. I want to spin wilder than before. And the Bible says he danced right out of his kingly apparel. I, I don't know about you. I ain't never danced so much that my clothes fell off. I, I, I must have been. I've never seen that before. He danced out of his. He's probably getting warm. And it's just, I just, I just, he danced himself out of it, dropped it like it's hot. He needed to get out and it just can't, it fell out. Then look what happens when ugly praise shows up. Second Samuel 6 20. Second time, uh, and David returned to bless his household, but Michael, Michael, I think it's Michael, but there's no E in it. And the daughter of Saul came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today. Now, I'm pretty sure she didn't mean that to be serious. I'm pretty sure she meant that to be facetious, to be sarcastic. Can you imagine? You almost hear it dripping with sarcasm, right? How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Can you imagine? I can almost, I'm serious. I can feel like. I almost imagine her being like one of those girls from like the Jersey Shore, like that horrible sarcasm. Oh, my goodness. And David could have said, you're right, honey, that was a shameful thing for me to do and certainly was, you know, no way for a king to act. He could have said that. 
It said, but he said, right there, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father. Ooh, burn. <laughs> right? Can you imagine that? It was, the, it was the before the Lord who chose me before your father and above all his house. That means you too. Oh, roasted. To appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. Ooh. What's the next one? It says, I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. He could have said, I could have composed myself better. He didn't say that. Let me paraphrase what he just said, though. What David said was, I wasn't dancing for you. Oh, and I wasn't dancing for the servants or the handmaids, but I was dancing before the Lord who chose me, who made me king. I'm not here dancing for someone around me. When we start playing worship songs, I'm not here to dance. I'm not here to dance for anybody else. I'm here to dance for God. I'm not praising God to look good for you. I'm not praising God for anybody else, but I'm here to praise God who still kept me, who still protected me, who still has breath in my life. I'm here to praise that God who has called me as heir, who has called me is chosen who has called me his child that's who I came to praise I'm going to tell you the truth I don't really understand it all but I know it's true there's something powerful in ugly praise God responded to Paul and Silas's ugly praise and shook the jail off the foundation God responded to Job's ugly praise and gave him back double everything he had lost God responded to David's ugly praise, and he recovered everything the enemy had stolen from him. After three days and three nights in whale motel, Jonah gave God an ugly praise. Sitting in the whale's belly covered in seaweed, here's what Jonah said in Jonah um, 2 verse 9. says, but with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to to the Lord. Oh, hello. Check it out. Look what the Lord did. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. When you begin to praise God in the midst of whale motel, it's hard to say if you say it kind of fast. Whale motel. When you're in the midst of a whale motel, start praising God. Start giving God glory. Say, I'm going to praise him anyhow. And God's going to take you out of the situation. He's going to speak to the situation and tell it to release you. Oh, come on. What am I saying? I'm saying when Jonah gave God an ugly praise that don't make no sense, God told the whale to spit him out. When, God, when ugly praise filled the whale's belly, it made him sick. And he spit out Jonah. He didn't come out pretty. He came out ugly. I'm guaranteeing you. It's not like Jonah came out perfectly pristine. Hello, he was in the belly of a fish. I don't know if you've ever gone fishing and you've cut them open to eat them later on, but it is not pretty inside. You know, it does not smell good inside. You're just like, I want to lop here. It's it's gross. I can't, I I can't, it's hard for me to cook fish because it stinks. Even when you're cooking it, you're just, 
right? You can't, who's ever tried to cook fish and you're just like that? You can't, right? Oh my gosh. You've never done like raw fish. Like I'm, I'm not talking about sushi. Sushi's different. I'm talking about like the eye is still looking at you. The scales and everything, everything is still on it, right? You, you're, you're touching it and it wiggles. I'm like, do I really want it that bad? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, some people just like that. They just get into it and they really like, you know, they're like, you know, my precious. They like, they're into that stuff. But when you think about Jonah, he's covered in that. And everything else that fish ate, he's covered in it. Do you think he came out pretty? Do you think he came out like completely dressed out to the nines? He came out in a tuxedo, like looking good. I'm ready to praise God. Right? No, he came out ugly. I just believe if you would give God an ugly praise today, something would happen. I'm finishing right now. I want you to hear me. I believe today if America can get back to giving an ugly praise to God, God is going to speak to this fish that we're in, this whale motel that we're in, and he's going to speak to it and say, release him right now. I believe something would shift and something would break, something would spit you out, whatever you're going through. You need to start believing that God can bring you out. But you need to start giving God the praise now. You need to start worshiping God now. You need to start lifting up God's name now. Start giving God glory now. Don't wait till it happens. Then that's the, what was the point of it? No, you need to start praising God now. You're in a dark situation now, so praise him now. Start saying, God, I'm going to worship your name now. If I can just do that, God, you're going to speak to the situation I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. It might be heartache. It might be confusion of what's going on around us. It might be destructive thoughts. Whatever the case might be, God is saying, if you can just get into ugly praise mode, not worrying um, about the people around you. That's what I mean by ugly praise. I'm not meaning I should, you know, draw on my face, make yourself look bad. No, I mean... Get to the point where all you can do is praise God and not care what you look like. You came in nice clothes. You came in nice shoes. But there's going to be a time where you just need to kick them off. Where you just need to tie up your hair and get ready to start dancing. I know you're going through a lot. I know the situation seems bleak and dark. Your son, your daughter... He's been gone for a long time. You've been praying and praying and praying, and it seems like no one's ever answering. I come to church, I give. I, I praise God, I, I, I worship, I, I serve in ministry. Why? Why hasn't she gotten her way? Why hasn't he gotten her way? Why isn't my mother, my father, received Jesus just yet? God is saying it's not time yet. If I did it now, it wouldn't be ready. There are too many people wanting God to be a pressure cooker. Or sorry, sorry, be a microwave and not a pressure cooker. 
And if he's a pressure cooker, I want him to be an instant pot. I want to be done now. I want it done right now, God. God is saying they need to go through pressure for them to be done right. You cannot microwave your way through this prayer. You cannot expect it to be a minute rice kind of serving. No. God is saying it is my time that you're going to go through what you're going to go through. But trust in me. Trust in me. Trust in me. If you could just trust me. If you could just believe in me. Are you hearing me, church? I told you, Psalms 34 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You're going to go through many afflictions. You're going to go through many dark times. But God said he will deliver you. And if you can just praise God right now, if you can just worship God right now with an ugly praise, not caring about who's around you and praising God when it doesn't make any sense, I'm going to shake the foundation so strong that those around you are going to get set free. Thank you, Father God, for your word. If that's you, thank you. If you're here and you you feel like this word spoke to you and you feel like you're going through this dark time, I want you I want you to just get beyond your pride, get beyond yourself and start worshiping God right now. I want you to get beyond that and I want you to start worshiping God in such a way that you don't care about what people say. That even means if we get to stand up right now to raise your hands and do it. I don't, it's, it's the time to do it. It's time to worship God. It's time to start praising God, saying, God, I'm here to praise you with an ugly praise because I'm praising you not just for me, but I'm praising you for my son. I'm praising you for my daughter. I'm praising you for all my lost loved ones right now. I'm praising you, God. Even right now as we speak, there's someone sick that I know, God. I'm praising you, God, because if I... If I don't, who will? If you're going through a dark time, you need to start praising God right now before you even get out. You want to get out? You want to get out of the whale motel? Then you need to start praising God now. Start praising God. Come on, get up. Start praising God now. Start worshiping God now. Lift up your hands now. Don't wait until it's all done. Because that's it's a it's easy to praise God after that. It's easy to praise God when it all happens. But praise God now when it doesn't make any sense. Praise God now when it doesn't doesn't feel right. Praise God now. Praise God because He is worthy. Even when I don't feel like it, He's worthy. Thank you for joining the Crossway Church Sermons Podcast. If you are blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, visit our website, www.crosswayaz.com and click Give.